Hello, hello, and welcome to the Relate Then Educate podcast. It's Erin Patton here. All right, teachers, it is Teacher Appreciation Week coming up. So happy Teacher Appreciation Week. I know this is kind of a weird week because, yeah, it feels great to get the gifts and the extra love and the sweet, you know, appreciation notes and everything from your students and families. And it's great, but, you know, it also is kind of a weird, complicated week because then you're like, yeah, it'd be nice to be appreciated throughout the year and by the public and by my representatives and all of that stuff. So it just kind of makes it to kind of a, you know, there's a little bit of eye rolling during Teacher Appreciation Week, along with all of the gratefulness and gratitude, too. So if I could come to your school and grant you the best Teacher Appreciation Week ever, I would. And here are some of the things I would give you. I would give you smaller class sizes. I would give you support, give you higher pay. Wouldn't that be a dream? And shoot, time, time to get all of your stuff done, time with your students, time without your students, just time. I would give you that. And also better representatives and better advocates to, you know, speak for us in the public and to represent us in making laws and policies and everything. So that's what I would do if I could show you my appreciation this week. And let's work on that. But here at Relate and Educate, know that teachers, you are worthy, you are truly valuable, and you are absolutely loved. We absolutely love you guys. Okay. So happy Appreciation Week, Teacher Appreciation Week. (laughs) Sarah Yost and Dr. Carla Collodi are today's guests, and I am so excited to share this episode with you. Now, Sarah had written an article called What One School is Doing to Keep Its Teachers. She wrote this for Education Week, and Rick just happened to come across it. And, you know, if you see that, what one school is doing to keep its teachers, it probably sparked your interest and it definitely sparked Rick's interest. So he read the article, he got in touch with me and he's like, we've got to get, we've got to talk to Sarah. We've got to talk to Sarah Yost. This was such a good article. I read it. I agreed, reached out to Sarah and she was like, yeah, I'll come. But can I bring my principal too? Because she has been really integral in all of, you know, the dreaming and everything, building our school into what it is. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, the more the merrier. And so we got to talk to both of them. And just got to kind of pick their brain on what they're doing to help support their teachers and show them that they're loved and ultimately be able to keep their teachers. And uh, they're just so good. Now, Sarah and Carla work at Bick Elementary in Louisville, Kentucky, where Carla's the principal. I think I said that. And then Sarah is the staff developer, which I had no idea what that was. I talk, we talk about this in the interview and I'll let you listen to it then, but Oh, a staff developer. Every school needs one. And th- these teachers, these staff at Bick Elementary, they are innovative. They are revolutionary. They're inventing positions that didn't even exist before because they're like, this is what our students and teachers need. And so oh, I can't wait for you to listen to it. These two women are phenomenal, are phenomenal. And just the way that they view their students and their teachers in their school is that they are fully human. They are capable of greatness and they're also flawed. And that's what makes us fully human. And that is wonderful. It's to be celebrated. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode on Keep Your Teachers with Sarah Yost and Dr. Carla Collodi.
amplifying the voices of teachers. This is Relate and Educate. All right, hello, hello, welcome back. We are here again for today's Relate and Educate podcast. Me and Rick are here. Hey, Rick. Hello, Aaron. Hello there. <laughs> and we are joined from Kentucky in the United States of America, Sarah Yost and Carla Colodi. How are you ladies doing? Doing well. <laughs> Good this morning. <laughs> Good. Now it is, Good. it is the morning and I've been wondering all morning long. Um, so is today a professional development day? Is this like, are you squeezing in between Planning periods. What's going on today? We're squeezing in between. <laughs> okay. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, we, we are honored. Thank you. We'll yes. honor your time for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's get started with what were your journeys to get into education? This is kind of how we begin every episode, just kind of getting a feel for our teacher. Sarah, I'll start with you. How did you get into education? Well, I was actually an alt cert candidate, so okay. I did not go to school for education. I went for, um, you know, just liberal arts, English and religion, and then didn't know what I was going to do, but um, saw an opportunity to do a Teach Kentucky program, which was sort of like a Teach for America program, um, but really was working to combat brain drain in Kentucky and bring people into the state. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up for that thinking I would try it out for a couple of years and I was completely hooked. Like education was everything I was looking for was really challenging intellectually and emotionally And it just sort of ticked all my boxes in terms of like being able to give back to the world, but also push myself. And so this is, I think, my 17th or 18th year. um, And so I'm in it for good now. I love it. You're stuck. We got you. What are you doing right now? What what is your job title? So now I work for Carla as a staff developer here at BIC. So it's sort of like an instructional coach um, focused on the teachers. So like as a teacher support. Yeah, is that, I was reading about your bio and seeing that that's what you are. And I'm so curious, is that a position that you all created? Is that something that we're starting to see in schools? Cause I had never heard of it before. Um, it's definitely a created position. Okay. Um, one of the things that I have, um, that has kind of been my biggest, like thing that I've been trying to do is that you can't, you have to build capacity with teachers. And so that's why we have a staff developer to develop, you know, the skills of teachers. So um, it's definitely a created position. (laughs) That's cool. And that just sounds, that sounds like, why haven't we been doing this before? That's brilliant. I love it. (laughs) I'm so appreciative. Every year we're like, can we make it work again? Can we make it work again? So yeah, we're just hanging on as long as we can write. (laughs) Okay. All right. So Carla, what about you? How did you get into education? Um, well, my entire family has an education background. Nobody um, was an official teacher, but, you know, my grandmother worked in schools. My mom worked in schools. Um, my aunts were social workers and things like that. So definitely service learning and that type of stuff. So um, I initially started my undergrad for nursing, and I realized very quickly that i get a little queasy when I see blood. So (laughs) obviously going to have to choose a different profession. And then I just, you know, I I stopped fighting it. I stopped fighting the, like, I'm not going to do what everybody else told me that I needed to do. Um, 
So, and I just went with it and um, still on the journey and love every minute of it. Okay. So and what so, are, what is your yeah. role now, Carla? Uh, my role now is principal of Bick Elementary. Okay. How long have you been doing that? This is my sixth year as principal. I spent seven years, I think, as an assistant principal and then 12 years as a teacher. Okay. Now, I'm curious, what is BIC? Is that an acronym or is that the name of the school? That's actually the name of a school. It's named after Dan C. BIC, who oh. was a prominent um, person in our community in the okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So you're, this is an elementary school, right? You know, standard like K through five? K through five, yes. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Well, just to give the audience just a little peek into why we are talking to Sarah and Carla is because Rick, Rick came across a really great article. Rick, you go ahead and say, tell us why are we talking to these ladies today? I ran across Sarah's uh, article online and I read it through, and we're always, Aaron and I are always looking for, you know, how are people trying to move the needle on school culture, teacher retention, uh, ultimately making teachers' jobs more fruitful, uh, more enjoyable. I'm going to say that because they're, they're, it's constantly meaningful, but it is, it can be a grind. So what are people trying to do? And so when I read about, you know, what Carla was doing and the efforts that were made there, um, I wanted to know more. And that's really, that's how it goes. We get our uh, interest peaked and then we ask, <laughs> do you want to <laughs> talk to us? And here you are. So I can't wait to hear not only like what was the article about, but what prompted Sarah, what prompted you to write that as well? And just all of that rolled up. So that's the backstory. Okay. Well, just FYI, the article was in Education Week, and it's called What One School is Doing to Keep Its Teachers, which definitely would like be like, whoa, I have to read this thing. Okay, so Sarah, let's talk about this. Tell us about your article. Yeah, so we're a school in um, Louisville's West End, which is, you know, I said in the article, a neighborhood that's been historically and system systemically underserved and um, kind of just gotten the short end of the stick over and over again for <laughs> decades. Um, so we have a lot of poverty and oftentimes I'll say I teach and people are like, oh, where do you teach? And I'll say, oh, I'm at BIC. Where's that? It's in West Louisville. And then I get a like, oh, like oh. sort of like people like oh. pull back from me. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, it's um, prejudice, it's racism, it's all these things. But um, I, it kind of lit a fire for me mm. to say, you know, we are an incredible school and I want people to know um, everything that's amazing about BIC um, because Carla has worked very, very hard to develop a school culture here where the kids want to be here, the families want to be here, the teachers want to be here. And I just want everyone to know that it is possible in a high poverty school where you're not self-selecting kids, you're not kicking kids out, you take whoever walks through the door and it is possible to teach at high levels and to have like a really great school community. So I just wanted to share that and um, start spreading the message about, and I'm also very passionate about public education and very worried as I know we all are with the teacher shortage and everything going on. And so I wanted to share the great things that we're doing um, so that, you know, other schools could be inspired and people could know again, that it is possible. Yes. And I, I want to go back for just a second to something that you said, because 
sometimes we talk, it's, I call it inside baseball, and it's the terminology. So you, you alluded to something very important where you can't weed kids out. You're not selecting kids. And that speaks to like um, whether you want to call it a private school or a charter school where you can essentially choose the students that you're teaching, which helps tremendously on test scores and discipline referrals and all that kind of thing. So what you're saying, Sarah, is that you you have the community that you're there to serve and that's your focus and, and that's what you're you're building your school around rather than weeding out anything that anybody or, or anything that might get in the way of you know performance. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's in our community we don't have in Kentucky we don't have charter schools yet. There've um, you know, there have been a lot of efforts on both sides. And so nothing has happened yet in terms of charter schools. However, we have um, plenty in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we do have school choice, um, a school choice system within our mm -hmm. district, which operates um, similarly in terms of um, not in terms of the funding. The funding is kept with public school students, but in terms of giving opportunities to, you know, select students or to um, advocate for families or things like that. But our school serves the families in the neighborhood, the families who choose to come here, um, and there is no effort to block anyone or to, um, you know, push anyone out once they're here. Yeah, yeah. One one curiosity that I have, side, it's it's a sidebar. So, what did you guys teach when you were in the classroom? What did you mm. teach? And I know that's a little detail, but I'm telling you, the the teacher that did teach, you know, like like Aaron, fifth grade, STEM, or whatever, you see you see the teachers light up. So yeah. Sarah and Carla, what did you teach when you were in the classroom? Um, so I started out as a teacher of students with special needs. So I started out with um, students with emotional and behavior disorders. Um, and then I transitioned into students um, with learning and behavior disorders. And then I transitioned to fifth grade. I am certified for K through five, both general education and special education. Yeah. Okay. You jumped into the deep end of the pool, like right off the bat. Yeah. You're like, give me the toughest kids in the school. That's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to start my career. It's kind of who I am as a person. Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> yeah, tells us like, a lot right there. need a challenge. <laughs> yeah. She hasn't said, but I'll just do a little plug. I mean, she did her doctorate in positive behavior intervention systems. And I think oh, cool. that's a huge reason why this school has such a high um, PBIS functioning culture. Like everyone is a believer in terms of PBIS because Carla has led the charge there. Yeah. And PBIS, just to circle back, is what's that acronym stand for again? It's positive behavior interventions and supports. Okay. So, Good, good. Um, where you look at your whole school-wide structure to provide yeah. support for students, staff, everybody. Wow. And just as a teacher, it's sort of like learning to my, this is not the academic or the, uh, you know, the proper terminology, but just how it feels is that you're really seeing the behavior as an expression of a need. And so yeah. you're responding to the child's need rather than looking to punish or looking for ways to like force a child to behave appropriately and to, to, you know, bend to your will. It's more about seeing the children as expressing needs and then working systemically within the school to help, um, 
meet the child's needs and use all of our resources, all of our human resources and everything we have together. Yeah. Yeah. Behavior is communication. And if, but if you're not, if you're only looking at the, like what they just did, rather than asking the question, why did they just do that? Uh, then you're just trying to cure behavior. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sarah, what, what did you teach? Oh, I was a middle school English language arts teacher. So that's probably why I'm like inclined to write about what we're doing. Um, (laughs) because yeah, that's my language. My love language. So sixth, seventh and eighth, or did you settle in on like seventh grade? I prefer, no. Oh, Oh, <laughs> oh my God. No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. I did teach all, all three, but eighth grade is my sweet spot because yeah. um, I actually feel like they're more mature than ninth graders. They're, you know, capable of thinking at deep levels as deep, I think as adults, but they're still, you know, can't, people don't believe me, but they still can be sweet. They still like yeah. <laughs> teachers. They still, you know, are innocent. I believe um, even if they're pushing boundaries. Yeah. And they're not in the high school yet. So exactly. they're, feeling, <laughs> they're feeling good about themselves, you know, with the leaders of the school, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. All right. So we've, we've described the people you teach. We've described where you teach, the people you teach. Now I want to talk about the feel of your school, the climate of your school. And yeah, just go from there. The, tell us about what it feels like when you walk in your school. Um, when you walk in the school, it's very warm and welcoming. Um, you're, you know, if you walk down the hall, you're going to get greeted by pretty much everybody in the school, whether it's a staff member, a student, um, no matter who it is. Um, if you're somebody that's not a familiar face, you're going to have people that are going to offer help. Like, oh, are you, are you looking for somebody like can I <laughs> you to this different location? Um, and things like that. It's, um, it's a very warm feeling. Um, if you're if my favorite time of the day is when we greet students in the morning. So every single staff member that is not attached to a homeroom is throughout the hallways and um, we're kind of scattered throughout and you're going to see hugs with kids. You're going to see exchanges with kids. You're going to see a lot of, you weren't here yesterday. I missed you. Is everything okay? Was, were you sick? Like, those very um, informal interactions that kind of build in to mm. students' emotional bank, to staff members' emotional bank, that just helps build those relationships in the school. Yeah, I just add, you know, people are so happy to be here. Like the adults and the children and <laughs> people in every role in our building are all part of the community. And it, it's very apparent. Like when we get people from the district or, you know, from the state coming in, they always say, Oh my gosh, you can tell immediately that this is ah, different. That's great. Was that, <clears throat> I know that's by design. That stuff doesn't happen unless you really put some effort into it. Was there something, a decision that was made early on that, that maybe teachers, you're going to be in the hallway, you're going to be interacting. You know, was that the directive? How did that happen? Um, so I was the third principal in a six month um, time frame. So when I was appointed, oh, I was Lord. superintendent appointed. Um, the the staff did not get a choice um, because we are one of the schools that is considered priority by our by our um, state. Um, and so from the very beginning, when my first assistant soup, when he very first hired me and our superintendent hired me, uh, my very first meeting was like he just said, Carla, what's your vision? 
for the school. And I said, honestly, my vision for the school is to create a place where everybody feels safe, cared for, and able to learn. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I know right now that seems like, you know, it almost seems laughable because the school did have a history of, you know, negative things that were coming out of it, a lot of um, behavior interactions between kids and things like that. And, you know, he just, he looked at me and he said, well, Carla, I've always been told that if your dreams aren't laughable, then they're not worth sharing in the first place. So from that point on, it was like, okay, game one. Um, And so it was it just could you i'm sorry to interrupt but could you (laughs) identify who that person was because we we never want to skip over a shout out to people that are encouraging (laughs) educators to be like who they are and and really advocate for them so could you tell us his or her name there is it was brad weston um he was uh, um, the assistant soup that hired me at the time great job brad Great job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry I interrupted, uh, but game on. What happens next? Um, So then I think what happened next is that we had to have a a very careful conversation. Sarah was not here at Vic yet. And so one of the things that I did as far as like messaging to the staff was that one, you have to acknowledge that we are in a tough population. We serve a tough population. I grew up in this neighborhood. I grew up I am a part of this population. And so you have to acknowledge that you have to acknowledge that, you know, there are different struggles that not everybody um, is equipped to handle some of the, some of the barriers that we deal with as a school. And it was a very open and frank conversation with the staff to say, listen, there are going to be things that we're going to have to do differently here. Um, It is going to require a lot of hard work and there's no hard feelings. If you feel like that, this isn't, um, if this isn't what you signed up for. Like I remember six years ago saying to the staff, I've realized that I'm not the leader for everybody. There's nothing wrong with saying that you're not the leader for me. That's, that's okay. And I can help you find a leader that you are going to work well with. Um, So there Mm -hmm. were a lot of conversations like that. There were even conversations that people came to me and said, Hey, listen, like I have um, a computer degree and, um, or, you know, I have a, fifth grade degree. And um, I'm also certified in this area, but like fifth grade isn't my passion. And I really want to teach arts like that happened with one of our fifth grade teachers. And she's now our art teacher. And she was miserable as a fifth grade teacher, like miserable. It wasn't Mm -hmm. her passion. It wasn't what she wanted to do. And now she's our art teacher. And like, we just had our Aladdin Disney performance last week that seriously brought everybody to tears because of the amazing work that she did with students. So there was a lot of things that it was just like, what is your passion? And let's make sure that you're lined up to teach whatever area that is, that is your niche. Like, I don't want anybody teaching in an area where they're not happy. You have to be happy if you're going to be successful. And if you're not happy, you're not going to be successful. Wow. That's so much intention and effort put into the teacher's lives. I mean, I just don't think, or I know that that's just not happening very many places, you know, kind of how we view our students to be so intentional with them and to, you know, know, build those relationships and, you know, do the heart things with them. And you're doing that with your staff. I mean, that's, Sarah, what is that like to have a, your boss just be so very intentional like that? 
I mean, it's amazing. Like you're, it's so inspiring and you can just tell, like, it's just different. Like the teachers, many of them have taught, you know, in a variety of places for a variety of different leaders. And I think people really know how lucky we are to be here and you can really see it. We have national survey data um, about school culture that is the highest in the nation. So, I mean, teachers are very happy. People want to be here. They feel lucky to be here. Um, we're fully staffed and we're just, you know, we just enjoy each other. That's, I mean, when she said, you know, you, ha- you want to be happy to be successful. I really believe that because we just trust each other. There is no, you know, adult drama or politics or infighting or anything like that. It's all very, we're all very different. We're a very diverse staff. We come from a variety of backgrounds, cultures, religions, everything. Um, and we just click, we just get along really, really well. I, I really, I, first of all, I love that you can point to the fact that yes, uh, schools can be a place where people want to be, where teachers want to be. And for a lot of teachers that are listening, they are burnout, tired, you know, uh, maybe they're having difficulties with their school culture. And I love to be able to have you guys, people like you, express, no, it, it can be done. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But I also like to point to the specifics. Like, Carly, you pointed to a couple of different things that are like really high-level leadership skills. One is you you aren't you aren't pushing yourself as the alpha leader. You openly said, I may not be your leader, but by saying that, you are. You know, you, yeah. faci- you, you can facilitate them being comfortable with somebody else, but you are orchestrating that. And that is really, really good stuff. There was another one, but I, <laughs> of course, it slipped my mind. But these are the types of things that are really good for other principals to hear. Like you don't have to push yourself like uh, good to great was a book that I read. And it, the big shocker in that book was that you don't have to be the biggest personality in the room to be a good leader. The people that are quiet and considered and, and people that listen, that's the other thing. You actually listen, you allowed communication to go both ways. So top down, bottom up. And by listening to the communication from your teachers, you can then place them in in situations where they can thrive, whereas they may not have mentioned it if they weren't comfortable and and felt safe. So kudos. Well done. (laughs) Awesome. In reading the article, again, what one school is doing to keep its teachers, um, the there is one two three it's five words that i read a couple times and they were probably the most impactful on me and that is imperfect and capable of greatness their students of course they're imperfect they're gonna have really crummy days and just be like who is this kid but they're capable of greatness and every single day your teachers are imperfect and they're capable of greatness. And that, oh, I, I should get that tattooed on me or something. I love that <laughs> quote so much. That That's such a humanistic perspective of your staff and of your teachers. Is that, well, explain more on that. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, I was really inspired by just how Carla's approach is so human-centered. Like in yeah. this day and age of high stakes testing and stress and so much pressure. And I mean, 
it's really amazing how much pressure we're under and she specifically is under. She has still been able to keep the humans <laughs> that run the school at the center. And I feel like that is what's remarkable. It's so simple, but it's remarkable. Yeah. And the other thing that I think she does really well is, and thereby we all are doing it, is to have a low floor and a high ceiling. So we accept everybody just exactly as they are, teachers included. Um, and then her expectations are very high. So she's mm -hmm. going to support us. And that's part of my role is to help support the teachers and the teachers thereby help support the students to get there. But we accept them exactly as they are. Like we are not surprised that our kids come to us with needs. And that's another thing I was thinking about what sets us apart. Um, Cause I've worked in, you know, schools in a variety of different situations. And I think some, for some teachers it's in principals, it might be hard because they have an expectation of how students should be or what schools should be. And when their students come to them, not fitting that mold, they're surprised and maybe angry or blame, look for someone or something to blame. And for us, there's never been like, we choose to be here. And we know that some kids come ready to learn and having attended pre-K and some don't. And so we then meet them where they are. And then we have very high expectations because we know that they can do it. They're brilliant. <sighs> Yeah. And tell me about that, Carla, with your teachers also, how you, how viewing them as imperfect and capable of greatness, how that helps you lead them. Um, I think one thing to note is that, you know, Sarah's given me much more credit than, um, than I deserve because we're definitely a team. Um, like we wouldn't be able to do all the things that we are doing without, without the team. And so, um, I rely very heavily on our administrative team. I consider, um, and a lot of schools and principals don't consider like their instructional coaches and things like that as like their admin, but I do. I consider them admin. We don't have all of these, you know, separate meetings. We have all of our admin meetings are collective where it's, you know, um, our coaches and everybody is at the table and we have these um really tough discussions as far as if we notice that a teacher is struggling with a specific, you know, skill or something, we have a full, like, um, we have a collective approach so that we can really do a deep dive into figuring out, is it because the teacher is lacking the skills of knowing how to approach students from a behavioral standpoint? Is it a routines and a procedure type thing where they're just not sure how to implement routines and procedures? Is it an academic approach? Are they just not understanding what the standards are that they're supposed to be teaching? And so the instruction is causing the issues. And so when we're able to have those collective conversations, we can almost um, develop a specific plan for each and every teacher so that our teachers have a full um, support system wrapped around them. And it might mm -hmm. be that you know, this week they're working with somebody who has um, more of a behavioral approach to helping them, like with settling those rules and routines and procedures in place. And then it, the next week they may work with somebody who has more of a academic approach that's helping them understand the standards and things like that. Um, we also realize that our teachers are humans. And so as we are having these conversations about teachers and things like that, we also have to recognize that somebody who is coming in as a brand new teacher who, you know, is maybe alt certified or something like that, we have to understand that their progress is not going to be the same as their neighbor who maybe did come with 
all of the educational background and the pedagogy and stuff like that. So you kind of like you have to realize that not everybody is going to make the same progress. You have to understand that, you know, everybody is we do expect, you know, we, we have high expectations for our teachers, but we also have to understand that everybody's journey is going to look different. And so mm-hmm. I think that is the biggest thing that has helped us maintain um, teachers and keep that high teacher retention is because we do not look at everybody as um, on one playing field. We have individual plans for each and every um, staff member in our building. Wow. That's good. I, I do have a question that's a little bit, um, it's kind of an opposite way of looking at it because we do talk a lot about the teachers coming in. I mean, our heart is for the young teachers, those teachers in year, from year one to year five um, to try to get them into mastery and, and so that they can go for 30 or you know 25 years, whatever. But I, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, okay, you do have those teachers that are high flyers. They have the high ceiling. And how do you approach them? Because they may not need interventions and things like that. And I say that because I had a conversation over the weekend with a friend who is a teacher and he's just an extraordinary person. Um, Heart of Gold loves people. But we were talking about, I think it was like tardies, you know, something pretty mundane and like that. He told me what he does. And I said, "That's, that's really innovative. That's really good. And he immediately said, well, it's probably not the right way to do it, but that's just how I've landed. So teachers, I did it, Aaron did it. We discount what we do. So my question is, how do you handle your the people that you may not have to worry about a whole lot? Like, do you have anything in place for people like that? Yes. Um, every single staff member, every single teacher has a coach. Um, and so we follow the cognitive coaching model. Um, so every single teacher is getting that individualized coaching so that we are continually, you know, pushing them forward. Um, I think it was year three of me being here at BIC, um, maybe year two. Um, we brought Sarah on as a consultant to be, we signed on to be a national board professional learning pilot school, um, because it's not about every single teacher in our building pursuing national board certification, but it is about you understanding what it takes to become an accomplished teacher. Mm -hmm. And so Sarah works with all of the teachers on just knowing what those five core principles are, and then also works with specific teachers that are ready to take that next step to pursue board certification. And so um, we do things a little bit different. Sarah leads our um, like in the mornings that she's leading more of our like new teacher induction. And it's kind of like just in time um, professional learning. And then in the evening, she's working more with those teachers that are our top level teachers that are pursuing board certification and everything else. And then we also just have that normal coaching um, that happens with every single person in the building. And yeah. to your point, Rick, I mean, a lot of our teachers are perfectionists. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're really good. They're really hard on themselves. But I think one thing we do well as a school is to recognize people's gifts. And so we're able to, you know, praise people um, for specific things that they do and the impact they have on kids. We use the Rutherford um, coaching model where we give 30 second feedback, either verbally or handwritten. 
And um, we, I like to do little notes um, to teachers and then I see them in their rooms all over and we all either do notes or verbally share with them what we saw that they did really well and what the impact was on students and be really specific. And then we also, you know, recognize our teachers through, um, you did some, she, Carla leads some um, like these lollipop awards and different things where we just like call each other out for the good things we've done. Um, we nominate our teachers for awards and things like that. So, and we're just constantly trying to like affirm our teachers because it is such a hard profession and, you know, you're in a room by yourself a lot of the time and, you know, you're pouring into these kids and they don't necessarily know what it you've given and, you know, people aren't necessarily seeing the blood, sweat and tears you put in every day. So we do, we do our best to affirm them and to help them, um, recognize the greatness in themselves. I like the specificity, you know, and the brevity, 30 seconds. This is, this is what you did, saw it, and this is what you're doing. And that's just a great reminder for the teachers. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I have another question about the article. This kind of goes back to you talking about how your administrative team, you know, all of the people that you work together on your team, and you talked about how you will push in and pull students out throughout the day. Can you kind of explain more about that? We've, there's, um, our friend Leanne Campbell has been, uh, she's a counselor. She's amazing. She's wonderful. And she was talking about how she, tried to put together this thing where, you know, the admin and stuff could come in and relieve your class for a second if you needed something or to go watch and do all this stuff. And she said, and she was so proud of it. And she said then that none of the teachers took advantage of it because they were all like, well, I'm afraid I'm like, they're going to see, or, you know, I'm going to get in trouble or called out. So I'm so incredibly curious about this, how you push in and pull students throughout the day. Do you want to talk about it? Um, Unless you have something. Yeah. Um, well, we like the way the way that we have it structured is that um, all of our like what we call special area. I'm not sure what it's called nationwide, but like our arts library, like mm -hmm. those types of positions, um, those positions are very important. But we also make sure that they're scheduled to where in the mornings they do not have classes so that they can oh. be that extra support in a classroom. So they may wow. be providing those extra supports to students that need extra support for reading. They may be covering a class so that somebody can go and watch another teacher teach. Um, and then we also have that same structure for the majority of our admin team as well. Um, like each of us are assigned to specific grade levels and things like that so that we can go in and support however that needs to be, whether that needs to be, you know, I'm pulling a student group or um, I'm covering the class for a teacher or things like that. Um, we basically any, it's hard to just say we have this set structure because we really don't have a set structure. Okay. It, it's kind of just dependent on what the needs are. It's yeah. very common that Sarah will say, hey, I need to do this, or somebody else will say, hey, I really need to, you know, make sure that this is happening for, you know, our students or our staff, whatever it is, and we'll kind of develop a plan right then of how we need to make sure that it gets put in place and it works. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think it's the trust that we have with the teachers, too. They're 
they expect us to be in their rooms. It's not, nobody's closing their door and not expecting us to come in. And then um, they're also comfortable to ask if they need something, like yeah. something very, very small. There's, and we're a small school and, and I think working really hard and investing a lot in building trust has made a big difference for us um, because there's really, there aren't those lines where there's no fear of administrators or something, you know, like we're very informal with each other. We're very friendly with there's, there's a lot of respect and, you know, their teachers invite us in all the time to teach. Carla teaches, you know, fifth grade, they'll just bring her in and um, she'll model a lesson or co-teach or we'll plan something together. And, you know, they definitely, the teacher, the classroom teachers definitely recognize that the people who are in leadership roles in the school are teachers and we're oh. more than willing to, we miss teaching <laughs> full time. So we're more yeah. than willing at this point to come in and teach with them. And there's no, you know, sort of egotistical baggage about my kids and this and that. It's we um, and our behavior coach, Ms. Bratcher, worked very hard to make sure we use the language of our students yeah. at all times. Mm -hmm. So there's never my kids versus your kids. It's always our kids. And we just really we live it, you know. Yeah. I think I, one of the things that we do as well. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you off. Keep going. But I think this is very important. One of the things that has been a change maker, and I apologize for just now thinking of this, but one of the things that we do is that we focus on all of those personality traits. And so we spend a lot of time on understanding people's personality traits. Okay. So like everybody in the school knows if you're a North, a South, a East, a West, everybody in the school knows if you are a square, a triangle, a squiggle, like we've done every single personality test that you can possibly think of. And the reason we do that is because, um, it's, it's one thing to get frustrated with somebody who is type A. I'm very type A. Um, <laughs> but when we can kind of like joke about it, like we've done another test that is, um, it outlines who your conservers, your uh, pragmatists and your originators are. I'm not an originator. I'm a conserver. And so there are times when like as a staff, we're talking about different ideas and it might be one of those pie in the sky ideas. And as you know, a, as a conserver, I can kind of laugh and say like, all right, originators, you're going to have to bring it down yeah. for those of us who are conservers because you're talking way out here and you're not speaking our language instead of just getting frustrated with somebody and saying that is the dumbest idea that I've ever heard. Like, you know, so we can have those real conversations. And I think one thing too, is that like our teachers see us as people too. We don't like, yes, we're, we're admin, but at the same time, we're just as human as they are. So they see us yeah. as equal. And, you know, Sarah was talking about that, you know, there are times that the fifth grade teachers will say, Hey, can you teach a lesson? You're not going to have the kindergarten teachers asking me to come teach a lesson <laughs> because they know that's not my thing. Like they right. know that, if there is sub, uh, if we have a sub shortage and there needs to be coverage, if it's kindergarten, I'm going to stay as far away from that. <laughs> we have certain people that are, you know, good in that area. That's not one of those areas that I am good at. So, so when we're open about that as a, as an admin team, those teachers are open about that as well. And it takes down yeah. that guard of yeah. like, I don't want somebody coming in and being in my classroom. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm thinking back and I have been for, you know, most of this conversation, how, how 
more enjoyable it would have been for me as a teacher to have just the interconnectivity or the community of admin, teacher, you know, uh, just the open door type thing. Uh, for me, it was very much, um, I would tell my principals, come and evaluate me anytime you want. Like, I don't care. But it wasn't out of like joy. It was like, yeah, I, you, you're going to see me no matter what. And there's almost an animosity there, you know, mm-hmm. which I was, I was good in the classroom. But how much more joy would I have had if I honestly thought, you know, if I communicated with my principal, listen, I would love to have you anytime you want to come in because I know that he or she would bring something valuable to the classroom or I would be open to that uh, rather than they're coming in to judge me and I would just rather them not come into my classroom at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very different vibe. So I think I think that may be part of what people feel it's just everybody is relaxed and comfortable and safe, you know, when, when they walk into the building. So it's, it's, it's staggering to me to even think about, you know, what my career and what my profession would have looked a little bit, you know, how it would have looked different. So. Were there, um, you know, stumbling blocks or you know difficult things along the way trying to get to this place of having this great connection with your staff absolutely I mean (laughs) you're always going to have those staff members that you know are not going to be 100% on board Um, and then you're also going to have staff members who you know we had two staff members that came to me um, a couple years ago and said you know hey I'm I'm really trying to start my own nonprofit. Um, but you know, I want to, you know, I'm still trying to stay in the education field. And so, um, you know, I'm going to want to do like some part-time stuff. And so, you know, you have to think outside the box, especially transitioning from the pandemic and everything else Mm -hmm. you have to, I think we think of school as like this, you know, one set of standards that we've always known as far as like there's one teacher and that teacher works all day every day and things like that whereas transitioning back from the pandemic has really pushed me to think differently about how you staff the school and how you structure the school and things like that because you also have teachers that when it is a tough school like what we have you know the teachers will also say hey I'm I'm kind of hitting a, a roadblock and I think I need to try something different and so you work with those teachers to say okay, what is it that you want to try? What is it that you, you know, feel like you need so that you can structure some things differently? So Mm -hmm. we've tried a number of different things. Um, I've had two teachers that have taught one class together and then the other half of the time um, they were doing more of that modeling and coaching with other teachers. But it was because both of them were getting to that point of like, yes, I am an amazing teacher, but at the same time, I'm tired and I need to catch my breath a little bit. And so we've worked on doing some structures like that so that we can give some teachers a little bit of a not it's not a break because when you're when you're in a school, you're working very hard. It's a change of pace. So it's that different type of pace or, you know, we've done things where we've said, you know, hey, um, you know, you were teaching this specific class as far as, you know, like maybe a related arts or something like that. Now, are you ready to transition back into the classroom? 
And so that way we can kind of keep things fresh for our staff. Yeah. Um, so that we can keep them energized. That's great. That is great. There is an intention to what you're doing that you are monitoring, you're adjusting. But one thing that I picked up, you know, a few minutes ago when you said that you, you essentially schedule time for purposes to support, right? So, and and I can't recall exactly how it was structured, but, you know, uh, certain people don't have classes in the morning so that you, they can do this. So you've, time is the biggest one. Like the, from what we've seen, no one has time, principals, teachers, nobody, even students. Um, so how have you tried to carve out that time? And were there any thing, were there anything that you had to like give up maybe and to say, this is more important than that. We're going to cut that out so that we have this time to protect, you know, and to, to, to use. Yeah. One of the things that we've kind of had to just embrace, um, I always put in our budget to have subs so that we can give teachers some release time. And we, you know, we realize that just as much as there's a, a teacher shortage, there's a sub shortage. So, you know, we've had to say that, all right, hey, if this teacher really needs to spend some time or if this grade group really needs to spend some time, that means that us as the admin team is going to have to cover those classes so that we give them that time. So we do a lot of things like that to where we're giving teachers the time that they need. Um, I've also made sure that I schedule in the budget like um, additional time in the morning. So um, for the past two years, we've paid our teachers an extra half hour um, for begin to come in a half hour early. So we pay them their hourly rate to come in half hour early so that when the students come in, the students can go straight to class and they're doing some of those intentional groups in the morning. And they're also just, you know, having those conversations with the students of helping to kind of taper down some of that behavior. And then, of course, it also gives those of us who are not in a homeroom, we're the ones who are scattered throughout the hallway so that we can minimize um, a lot of those things that happen in the morning. You know how it is. Kids come in. They're upset about something that happened at home. And so we're able to catch those kids first thing in the morning. Um, and we have a lot of people that are helping with that. So we can taper down a lot of those distractions that would typically spill over into the start of the day. Um, so that helps tremendously. And then next year, we've um, I've put in the budget to have us come to school an hour early. So all of the teachers have said, Absolutely. It would be great if we could come an hour early to get additional planning time and things like that. So they'll get 30 minutes of planning in the morning in addition to their regular planning time. Um, and then they'll have that other half hour to kind of like meet with some students and stuff like that to kind of yeah. you know do those groups. What's your start time? Our start time next year is going to be changing. So this year we start at 9.05. And next year, um, we're going to be starting at 940. So the teachers will come in starting at 840. Wow. Okay. I love that. So I, I'm guessing that your district kind of changed with the uh, with the research of yes. children and, and them needing to sleep longer. That yes. is amazing. Yes. Because my son's school starts at 755. 
And that's brutal. That's yeah. <laughs> because he's 17 and he doesn't go to sleep. I know he doesn't go to sleep until way late. Anyway, um, that's great. That's great. So that, that, that when you said come in an hour early and my head, I was doing the math and I was like, what time are they getting to school? <laughs> but if that's the case, then that makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It is good. It is good. Okay, ladies, we have almost talked for an hour. So I want to wrap up, get our last closing questions in. But before we do, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you two want to make sure we do talk about? Um, I think the only thing that um, is very important is that, is like recognizing that the principal alone can't do it. Like when you're talking about turning, like truly, um, turning around a school, like mm-hmm. the principal alone can't do it. You have to have a solid team that is willing to roll up their sleeves and tackle whatever it is that needs to be handled in the school. And so I am very blessed to have the team around me that can just pick up the pieces and, you know, finish my sentences, so to speak, um, and know exactly what needs to happen in order mm. to move our school forward. Yeah. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Sarah, what are you, are you, what are you writing? I know you're writing something, but what do you got in the uh, queue just, ready to go? Yeah, I just wrote, uh, I just yesterday or actually Friday, rather an Edutopia article came out about supporting teachers through times of change. So mm-hmm. we're going through so many shifts right now, you know, with from balanced literacy to structured literacy and from, you know, having designed our own units, backwards design, like every single piece of them to using high quality curriculum resources and um, different things like that. So just, it's a lot for teachers right now, a lot of a big cognitive load, a big shift. It's very emotional for many teachers. And I'm seeing a lot of like us versus them on Twitter. So I just wanted to write about how like at BIC, our students are the center and we work together to do our best for them as we learn more. And so it's just a piece about how, um, you know, it, again, it's the same idea, just supporting the people who are leading the work um, and remembering that we are all imperfect and capable of greatness. Love it. Wonderful. All right. So where can we find you? Where can our listeners come and read your articles, Sarah? Um, They can find all my work on sarahyost.net. And I'm on Twitter at sarahyost1. Awesome. Carla, are you looking for people to follow you? <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter as well. So okay. I'm at Mrs. Colodi. So it's M-R-S-K-O-L-O-D-E-Y. And then I would also encourage you to follow our Vic page. It's at Vic, B-Y-C-K-E-L-E-M. Um, and you'll okay. see all of the wonderful things that we do at Vic. Oh, I'm going to follow that as soon as we're done with this. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. So we close the episode, always asking the same two questions. The first question is to both of you, Sarah and Carla, and it is with all of the information that you have learned and the experiences you've had over your teaching career, your education career, if you could go back and speak to yourself right before she walked into her very first classroom, you only have 60 seconds. What are the most important things you're saying? Um, I think for me, the most important thing that I would say is people matter and their feelings and what they're bringing to the table matters. 
So um, that can be said for students, for staff, for um, families, everybody. And for me, I'd say the slow down and listen. And I figured that out eventually, but I think initially I came in just very hard and fast and I just needed to learn to slow down and listen to everyone. Okay. Yeah. These are good. I love, love (laughs) getting to hear everyone's answer for these. Okay. And our last question is a fun question. It can be education related, but it does not have to be. It can be anything. What is something that you want to recommend to our audience? I mean, we're talking podcasts to museums to anything, anything you want to recommend. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start to give y'all a moment. Um, I just caught up last night with the, on the third season of Ted Lasso. I've let a bunch of episodes build up because it's so hard to just watch one at a time. And so I watched it and my heart is aching. If you, if you're caught up, like Ted is going through it right now, but oh, it's just still such a good show. So I can't wait to finish that. And this is the last season of it too. So it'll be wrapping it all up. All right, Rick, what do you have to recommend? I, uh, my wife and I had dinner with some friends, uh, and they were telling me about this movie called Brooklyn and the, the reason why we were talking about it was his father actually grew up in New York and was an Italian and married an Irish girl. And so they said, just definitely watch Brooklyn and you'll get a really good idea of New York, you know, in I think it was the thirties or forties, whenever it was. Um, and so my wife and I watched it and it's just, it's just, it's not, it's not like groundbreaking. It's mm-hmm. just a good feel good movie. Uh, and I enjoyed it very much. And my wife did too, which is, pre- it's pretty unique when we both like the same movie, it's pretty <laughs> unique, but Brooklyn, it's a good movie. Good. Go I've never heard of it. Yeah. All right. Sarah or Carla. All right. Well, I've got a fiction and a nonfiction recommendation. Great. Um, Kazuo Ishiguro is my current like obsession in terms yes. of fiction. So I just read The Buried Giant and it's it was really good. It's like one of those books that just like sticks with you. Um, and then I'm just starting Fugitive Pedagogy by um, Jarvis Givens. And he is one of the authors of the um, AP Pedagogy on Black History that, um, you know, has been through so much controversy lately. And I just heard him speak. We had a Teachers of Color um, award ceremony in our district for teacher of color of the year. And so he was um, pushing this book and I've just got it and I'm so excited to start it, but it's all about um, using, you know, the history of like black teachers and how they taught um, for resistance against racism and how they um, were able to maneuver through the classroom and, and teach the truth of this country. So I'm excited about that. Ooh, that's wow. good. Great title. Yeah. Great title. Wow. All right, Carla. Uh, I don't have a specific recommendation, but my recommendation for um, all educators, I know that you said it doesn't have to be education, but (laughs) it's whatever that book is, whatever that, um, you know, podcast is, whatever that um, Netflix series that you're going to binge watch, like do it and don't feel the guilt of doing it. Because I know as educators, we always try to you know, carry that um, workaholic as a badge of honor. And so just just dive into that book, dive into that podcast or that um, series and just enjoy it. Take time for you. 
guilt-free. You heard guilt-free. it from the principal herself, y'all. You have to do it. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for meeting with us today. You are both a joy. Oh, your school. I want to visit your school. I want to feel Me this too. climate and culture. I mean, uh, you've done amazing work. Amazing work. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much. Please visit our website at relatethenneducate.com. If you'd like us to come to your school, great. Go to our website, click on our speaking page, and see what all we talk about. And we'd love to come meet your teachers. Also on our site, you can visit our events page. We have some excellent workshops and really cool events that we are currently planning. We cannot wait for these things. Oh, they're going to be exciting. Also, you can check out our Teacher Voices page, which is exactly what it sounds like, Teacher Voices. It's a wonderful resource of teacher stories, teacher experiences, just all you can hear teacher voices. And it's a great way you can connect with them. You can learn and hear from other teachers. So check out our website, relateandeducate.com. We are always looking for more teachers to talk to. And you have a story worthy of sharing. Yes, you. I'm talking to you, teacher. You may not think you do, but oh, do you? And we want to meet you. We want to talk to you on the podcast. And even if you're like, oh, I don't have anything, which I know you do. I know you know of a teacher who has a great story, who has great experiences and lessons that we could learn from. So you could also let us know their name, their information, and we would love to reach out to them and see if they want to be on our show. So reach out to us on our website, or you can email me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at RelateThenEducate.com, and I will get back to you. I am so excited always to meet new teachers. Have you pre-ordered your copy of the Relate Then Educate book? Because you need to. You really, really do. The Relate Then Educate book is wonderful. It is a bunch of different teacher stories. And they're getting out there. And we can't wait. So if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, you need to do it. You can pre-order it anywhere where you order you know, your books and stuff from. We will, le- we will release the book this summer. All right, finally, please like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Relate Then Educate and on Twitter at Relate Then E-D-U-C and the number one. And then on whatever you're listening to this podcast, please follow us, like us, leave a review. It helps us grow. It helps us be seen. Please do that. All right, finally, teachers, you are worthy. You are valuable and you are loved. Bye.